Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's official podcast, uh, part of the SB Nation brand. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Ram. Ram, Hello. great to hear you have with us today because we <laughs> have had a week's break because, yeah. yeah. Was, so was great that you've been well, together. <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah. We were unfortunately not able to cover everything in the last two weeks, but we'll try and uh, catch up with all that today. Health is more important and great to have you up and speaking again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully Chelsea can get up and speaking again as well soon. Exactly. Yes, they, sh- they should have a look at how you did that. Um, <laughs> as always, we have a guest on our podcast today and we are delighted to welcome deluded brendan aka buster absolutely smashing name uh welcome to the podcast thank you very much guys really uh, really appreciate to be here it's gonna be fun to um to like entangle uh, entangle all of these uh, all of these events that's been going on the these past two weeks with you guys <laughs> emphasis on fun being the entangling, not the analyzing, because it's been dreadful, unfortunately, the last two weeks, apart from yeah. the little game. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's been it's been incredibly poor. We uh, we look like we look so disjointed. We look like we have run out of steam, and we we look like we lost our spark. Because as soon as we go behind, we are not able to like mount a serious to mount a serious threat to our opponents we're just pinging the balls around and like doing hapless crosses that's going to nobody so mm. um, that's that's the way i feel i feel like we've been playing both against bournemouth and against everton as well mm. well i could already see your drive to really get into analyzing the games but before we do yeah we want to just quickly begin you know to lighten the mood after all the negativity that's going to come <laughs> afterwards <laughs> um and that is our segment where we ask our guests how did you actually become a chelsea fan i mean i i know that you are from sweden which is yep. fantastic so a fellow european um h- how 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 did you come to being a chelsea fan uh who's your favorite player yada 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 <laughs> yeah yeah, Before you answer that, do you, <laughs> yeah. do you have any f- favorite Swedish bands? Do you like Opet? Well, I have to say, actually, my favorite bands are the ones that's not even active anymore. It's like uh, the corny ones, like ABBA and Roxette oh, and geez. stuff like that. You, you, you're just another <laughs> Selen. Yeah, I know. You're literally I'm, another Selen. I know. I'm, I'm the atypical Swede, and I'm basically, I'm usually just too ashamed to actually admit that. But uh, anyway. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> no, 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 do go on. Well, um, if I'm going back to the story of like how I became, mm-hmm. I became a Chelsea fan, I've, um, you had like a lot of guests on that were able to pinpoint that exact moment. I don't actually really have that. But I do remember that I was um, when I was watching football when I was about ten, like ten years old, and every single one of my teammates in my uh, in my like kids club where I was playing, everyone was supported United or Liverpool. It was no, they supported no, nothing else. And I am, of course, being the hipster that I am, I decided that I am going to support something else. 
And uh, in uh, as it happened, uh, Liber uh, Chelsea actually beat Liverpool in uh, the year before, just before Abramovich um, Abramovich bought the club. And uh, I was watching that game with a bunch of Liverpool supporters, and I of course just stood up and yelled "fuck yes," because uh, that's <laughs> because I just wanted to rub it in the, their face. But Chelsea was it was something about them just handing it to Liverpool that I really, they really, it was really appealing to me. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that is a very interesting sentiment, how you actually got to being a Chelsea fan. And heard that quite a few times now that people will, I don't want to support the, the meter teams that are Man United and Liverpool. Uh, I mean, apart from them being despicable anyway. So, yeah, that, 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 that is, that's good. I always am very much interested in hearing our community members' stories there. But moving on, let's get straight into the more arduous parts of the podcast. Uh, yeah. So, where do we start? Uh, let's, let's start with the Everton game. Um, I mean, a lot of parallels between last weekend and this one. Initial thoughts. Well, I mean, how has our season taken such a turn for the worst? And I know we're still in fourth, and I know we still got room Loftus cheek to come back, and we are able to buy again in the January transfer window. Yippee! We'll talk about that later. But what what's gone wrong? I mean, let's start with you, uh, Buster, uh, being our guests. Well. You already mentioned a bit at the start of the podcast. What what were your initial thoughts, for example, after that Bournemouth game? Because that, for me, was the worst performance I've seen in a very long time. Well, my, my first um, my first initial reaction was like, and my initial reaction was actually after like twenty five minutes, I was just asking myself, why is Rudiger and Zuma keep pinging those? Like diagonal crosses towards our fullbacks when we have when our fullbacks are not threatening whatsoever, especially not as Pilicueta. So he was seeing like an incredible amount of the ball on that right hand side in the beginning. And as we know, he is not able to do anything with it. He mm. just attempts a crap load of crosses that's not going to anyone. And I've actually looked up some stats about it. Suma and Rudiger, they, they, those two together had 228 passes, and Shorginho, Kante, Mount, Emerson, and Aspilicueta together had 234 passes. So they had. This was, this was in the, the Everton game. No, the, this was the Bournemouth game. The oh, Everton, the Everton was even uh, Everton was even worse because in that game, Duncan Ferguson he wanted a brawl, and we were happy to oblige. Mm. We gave him one. We just we just went went back to being like we wanted to play medieval football, and we we weren't able to like create anything. They just congested the middle and they forced us out out in the outer zones, and we weren't able to create anything from it. Mm, right. Well, on on first thought, do you think that maybe maybe we struggle against organized, well drilled teams that are basically going to put in a lot of effort, which is, I think, Duncan Ferguson's game plan at Everton. <laughs> but yeah. The thing is, I I mean, I did kind of sense that we might have a weakness against those kind of teams. 
coming into the season because that's where Derby County really struggled last season. But, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised that we beat Burnley pretty comfortably and we dealt with Crystal Palace. We dealt with, well, yeah, those two. Well, Wat- Watford as well. But, so, that, that's when I... That's when I began to think, okay, fine, maybe we actually don't have a problem with these kind of teams. But then Bournemouth were very well organized and just very happy to, you know, park everyone behind the ball and break at speed with Josh King getting behind the defense multiple times. And I feel as if we also kind of struggled against Valencia, who employed pretty much the same approach, which was to sit back and count at 4 4 2. So, <laughs> I mean, what would be your assessment of the difference between us against teams like Burnley and Crystal Palace versus these recent fixtures where we've struggled? Because our opponents were playing pretty much the same system in all of these games. But then those games, in, in the former games, we were really, really comfortable, I'd say, against Burnley and against Crystal Palace. But then these recent ones, I don't know, like, would you say it's fatigue? Would you say it's, I don't know, just the... Maybe the uh, mental fatigue, rather. I mean, in tandem with physical fatigue, or just the teams probably going through a slump, stuck in a rut, and those things. I mean, all these intangibles that you might not be able to see in statistics. Would you say it's down to that, or is there something else? Well, I'd say I'd say that fatigue has. I've got to think that's actually be got to be something we have to factor in because in those first games when you mentioned like Crystal Palace and Burnley, we were like whenever we lost the ball, we were hounding hounding them every single time. We had like three players surrounding the balls. We'd made it like easy. We we got the ball back in like dangerous areas. We haven't been able to do that against uh, Everton and Bournemouth. Not not for the lack of trying, but we are just like it feels like we are just one or two steps behind. We were early in, earlier in the season, and we don't really look. We have never really during the season looked comfortable with those like balls behind balls behind our back line that uh, Josh King was exploiting last time. But that's that's been a reoccur- reoccurring theme. But. I feel like we are we aren't able to put like that much sustained pressure on our opponents anymore, and I I actually think fatigue has something to do with that, especially like especially like our younger players like Pulisic and uh, Pulisic Mount, uh, Abraham they've all played a lot of minutes, and we haven't been able to rotate since Hudson Odoi hasn't really he hasn't really come into his own since he got back from injury, so. Like Lampard's hands are pretty much tied. He has to keep keep running with those players, but they are they look really knackered. So that's hmm. basically what I think about it. That's a good point that you raise with the um, not being able to sustain that pressure because in that run that we had in what was it September October yeah. start of November, um, <clears throat> we were always able to do that more times over a game than we're seeing now now we have like this one patch where we're playing 20 minutes or so uh well we didn't do it against Bournemouth or Everton if you ask me but you know generally we have those short periods um but it's just not the same as it was at the start of the season yeah fatigue I mean it has to be down to fatigue but also other aspects if you ask me uh the confidence levels have 
just sh- shrunk. It's you know you have Kepa Rezabalaga who essentially is having a very bad season for his standards. I, I mean I don't agree with this sentiment of selling him already on after one bad season yeah. because I think it also has a lot to do with the defense that's in front of him and I fully agree with what you said before in regard to our center back pairings. Um, left back is also a problem even though I love Am- Emerson but we need reinforcements there. We're in dire need of them there. And that also affects Kepa. Then Kepa's having no confidence and having bad games also affects then in retrospect the the centre backs because um, they might feel I can't fully trust him. Although it's also down to them, but they also has this chain reaction. And uh, our midfield, even though on paper. I've, I always think, you know, Jorginho, Matteo Kovacic, who's playing phenomenally well, although he wasn't good against Bournemouth when he came on, uh, when it has to be said. Uh, and N'Golo Kante might be the best midfield three in the league. But at the moment, it just doesn't seem as if it's really clicking. It doesn't seem like a cohesive unit, even when those three are on the, on the field. And with Mason Mount, you know, he has had a dip in form, another one. Uh, although maybe it's just that the expectations that we have of him after his brilliant start to the season are just too high. I mean, we're not allowed to forget he's a very, very young lad at the moment. Uh, still a very young lad at the moment. Uh, same as Tammy Abraham. And we can't just burden them with our entire um, hopes in regard to goals and assists. It's, it's, that's not fair. You know, we have to be critical of a lot of the things including Mason Mount, uh, including Tammy Abraham, including Frank Lampard even for a lot of his decisions. But uh, you can't just heap all the blame on the young players as well as you can't just heap all the blame on the veterans. But yeah, I think January transfers is the only way of really lifting this team uh, at this moment because I don't see how Frank Lampard is able to, well... Don't, it seems sad, but motivate these players. Uh, you know, it was the same with Sari. It's, it's, it's difficult, you know. Once you're in a slump uh, with so many youngsters that aren't full of confidence, where have you got these leaders that will come out and say, yeah, come on, lads, we have to pull ourselves together? We don't, you know. And uh, while someone like Mason Mount can develop into that kind of a player, he isn't at the moment, you know. Um, there's still a pecking order, and the veterans that we do have just aren't cutting it in that regard. Leadership, you know. Cesar Piliqueta, he leads on the field uh, with his performance, but not with his voice, uh, like a John Terry. And, you know, Tony Rudiger, who everyone was saying, oh, thank God he's back and all that. I, I knew from the start that his problems that he had last season, they won't be gone. He's a rash guy who is able, I, mean, I think there was one situation in that Bournemouth game which summed him up perfectly. He gave the ball away cheaply with a misplaced pass and then got back to intercept the Bournemouth player with his two-footed lunge, which has become kind of a uh, his thing. That's his <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, well, brilliant tackle. No, it's his fault that that happened, for Christ's sake. That's the least he can do, yeah? So, I I really, I, I was adamant that we wouldn't need another, um, how shall I say, centre-back 
coming in at the start of the season. I thought, yeah, we're done in that area. Same with midfield. But we do. We we genuinely do. And sad, but that's one of the areas where we can't just trust in the players, you know, getting a grip and improving again, building up confidence, because I think that won't change. Sorry, I rambled on a bit here, but uh, addressed a few things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I mean, what, what, what did you guys make of the, the midfield? Because for me, it just doesn't seem well balanced at the moment. It's too easy for Peter, for opponents to run through it. But what do you think, Ram? Well, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think that that's been a problem pretty much all season, hasn't it? But yeah, I'm, I'm, well, your guess is as good as mine as to how to alleviate that. Because with the personnel that we have currently, the, the closest we'll have to a screener is probably Kante. And I mean, yeah. we've seen that Jorginho is usually the one who sits back even then. So that's, <laughs> I'm afraid that's just, just, that's part and parcel of the way Lampard sets our team up. And it really feels as if we have to score first and we need to we need that lift in games first. Otherwise we're probably gonna crumble at some point. But we're just we're just not able to bring ourselves back into games effectively. That's what I mean, I feel that that's mm. another glaring weakness and setting up the midfield like that certainly doesn't help because it's not very robust. It's not a very robust setup. So yeah, it's taking the lead is going to be very crucial to our game. But you know what? As far as as far as the season as a whole is concerned, I think that uh, I, I think the winning seven games in a row or whatever it was kind of raised our expectations or created this created a bit of an illusion that we are actually mm-hmm. like a you know a, a good good team. Yeah. Fact of the matter yeah. is. We, we aren't a bad team. We create chances. We're, we're on top of expected goals still. That, you know, that, that was like the complete opposite with Lampard at Derby County. It was like Harry Wilson banging them all in from like 30 yards and Mason Mount scoring good goals. And yeah, he scored some. La- they, they scored some absolute howitzers. Let's yeah, say. yeah, they did. They did. Mm-hmm. But it's like the exact opposite is happening. Uh, it's as if the, the mythical expected goal deities decided that Lampard would have to suffer the exact opposite fate this season, which was create an ample amount of expected goals, but not be able to finish them. And it seems that our mm. problem is we create enough, but then we were not able to, one, we're not able to put away all our chances, and two, our defense is not strong enough. So we have to outscore the opposition. And when you're not able to do that, you have a slump. Right now we're in a finishing slump, and that's probably the reason why we haven't, being able to at least get more points out of West Ham, um, Bournemouth, and Everton. I mean, it's, it's pretty unbelievable to think we have zero points from those games. Uh, even considering the kind of chances we created. I mean, imagine if Emerson had put the ball in the back of the net. He, that was that was literally point-blank range header. That, that, was, that, was, that was actually harder to miss. It was harder to hit Ramsdale from that distance than it was to put <laughs> anywhere else. Exactly, exactly. And he, he managed to find the keeper with... Spiffing accuracy, if I may say so. To be yeah, so, to be fair, that's a left left back for you. You know, I mean, that yeah. is an excuse. Don't get me wrong, but he has to he has to score there. But that is a left back. Yeah, that, that's that that's was probably a left back finish. 
if that's, that's probably what Alonso gives you over. Yeah, exactly. That, that's probably what Alonso gives you over Emerson. To be fair, but then mm. Emerson ah, also gives true. you other things outside. Okay. I mean, outside the penalty area. So I mean, it's all it's all swings and rounds about roundabouts after one point. But then the facts are that we are still creating chances. And everything isn't so bad. It's just that we we're going through a finishing slump, and our defense is a little unsettled at the moment because he's been tinkering around with it. Sometimes Aspiliquet is a left back. Reese James is a right back. Rudiger has come in. Zuma has come in. They're, they're all quite quite error prone. All of them. Even mm-hmm. Rudiger. Rudiger, I mean, I, 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 I kind of smiled at myself when, Jimmy, you mentioned that Rudiger has the same problems the last season. He, he, he gave away the ball in a needless area as soon as he came back in the first game he was fit. So... Yeah, but the, yeah, the, but... the problem I feel is like Zuma and Rudiger, like that seems like a really good pairing on paper, but they both have the same weakness. They both yeah, exactly. do that sort of pairing weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. So we, we don't it, have it, like one safe center back. Yes, yeah. Chris Christensen was supposed to be that. He was supposed to be that guy, but he looks way too timid. Yeah, uh, he he hasn't been that guy for like one and a half years now. Has he? Yeah, sadly, he, he looks terrified. Yeah, yeah, ever since yeah. that Barca game. Jeez, no. I've got to say that Sari's comments, you know, we don't know if they're really uh, one-to-one the truth, but what he said what on... Uh, Sorry made some comments last year on Christensen about him being sick at halftime or before the games and being just extremely nervous. And, you know, Christensen has got to be... You know, when he before that Barcelona game under Conte, he was, without a doubt, the first name on the team sheet for more or less every Chelsea fan. Yeah, and was, nobody yeah. can tell me that that's wrong because I know it isn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I usually don't like to make these kind of statements, but he was so good that he was one of the, he was the first name on the team sheet and that Christensen is gone and hasn't come back. And I don't know if he could ever come back, but someone who is has such a fragile mind which reminds me a bit now in retrospect of Alvaro Morata who started out really well at Chelsea as well yeah Yeah. um it doesn't seem as if that works he's too soft his physicality is non-existent he gets brushed off frequently so you know maybe he works in the Bundesliga where he really was good but not at Chelsea and that's why we need the center back in 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 January um yeah so I, I agree with that with that view of uh, Andres Christensen, must say. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really harsh. Like it, it may sound like really harsh on such a such a young player, but Christensen has he has a lot of senior senior seasons of football behind him. He's mm. not really inexperienced anymore. He's played Champions League. He's played the Bundesliga. Sure. He's played the Premier League. He's not an, an inexperienced kid anymore. He's he was supposed to take that final step. But after the Barcelona game, he looks. He, his confidence is shot. He is not able. He's not able. He looks extremely terrified, even on the ball. And that used to be his strong suit. Yeah, mm. it was. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, I think his passing has become a little more positive in recent times. I feel as if it was kind of coached into him. He was always like kind of a safe passer. He was very, very solid with it, but. A little safe. I mean, he wouldn't go for those Hollywood passes that David Luiz would. And that's what everyone kept differentiating between Christensen and David Luiz. But I, f- I feel as if gradually his passing has 
has become a little more positive, a little more adventurous. Yeah. He it's it's like he's he's trying to grow into this new skin, but that's just it's just taking a long time and then it's not helping that he's part of not such a great defense. So I'm not exactly sure how Christensen's trajectory goes in here. Clearly Lampard wants to keep him involved, which is why he rotated him in for Tomori. So that I mean it's not all bad, but then yeah, I'm definitely not as full of confidence about Christensen as I was maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, looking at Tony Rudiger, Fiko Tomori and um Kurt Zuma, they all yeah. have their virtues and vices. Yeah. But if you ask me, none of them can play together. I personally think that you can play one of them, doesn't matter who, with another centre-back which has this top bracket stature, is good on the ball, maybe even the left foot, and has this physicality that's nothing through. And who Sounds is like you're describing... Virgil <laughs> van Dijk. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Nathan Aki, but okay. <laughs> Nathan Aki, well, the, you know, oh, the thing surprise. is, Nathan, Nathan Aki is, is great in what he does in a lot of ways, so that, you know, I, I don't even have to describe it to you. I know you know all about him, but I just don't think that he is the solution. At that price, brilliant, right. Right. but he won't solidify this defence so that all our problems are gone. Not okay. like, for example, you look at uh, Liverpool signing Virgil van Dijk, because that is kind of the standard the, the precedence, you know, yeah. shocking defense beforehand. Van Dyke comes in, everything's great because he holds it all together. Of course, Andy yeah. Robertson is also great and Trent Alexander Arnold. But I personally believe that he's the one who holds that together. Uh, without him, they're not the same team. And we need that kind of a player who can then bring the team together, which then can uh, make good for the other three's mistakes because passing wise, they all make mistakes and that we have to have a defender who can mop up. Christensen is not bad at mopping up, but he just for all the reasons we've named before, isn't that player. And I don't think that Nathan Aki is either. I have to be frank. I, I, I wouldn't mind him instead of, for example, Kurt Zuma and Christensen and then getting another Van Dijk, but that's not going to happen. So I don't know. It's difficult. I think it's Kurt just that- Zuma is a Mourinho kind of player. You want to have him in a defensive team, not in a team that plays expensive, an expensive brand of football like Chelsea or no, that, whatever. That, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But then the the problem is when you're talking about someone like Virgil van Dijk, that, that type of centre-back is extremely hard to come across. If, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, virtu- just, it's virtually impossible to find, a, to find a guy that checks all those boxes. But like, yeah, that, that's what makes Virgil. Yeah, I feel, I feel like one of the main boxes that like the new centre-back has to tick is that he has to be like positionally sound. He has to be like this secure guy because the other three is really aren't. They are like really adventurous. They like to like head out, uh, go out of position to do like flamboyant tackles. Tomori is a bit, I feel like he's a bit more composed than the other two on that, but... Like basically, like they are all of our three centre like, like Tomori, Zuma, and Rudiger. They are basically like the same. They have the same traits. They have the same advantages and the same weaknesses. So, it's like, so we need someone that can like remain solid in in the centre and not be that that exactly. adventurous. Mm, I I fully I agree. Mm. Just um, just a word on the Lille game. 
Yeah. What did you guys think of that? Because that was, I thought we did. We um, did pretty well uh, until, Ram, until Ram. Yeah, yeah. Before we get in that, we're just going to take a quick break. Yeah. So coming back to the Lille game, I thought we did. I thought we did pretty well actually in that game. With the, I, I mean, we did well until the last few minutes, which is when. Everything went very weirdly uncomfortable, and then Loic Remy scored a goal. Loic Remy scored a goal. So I feel as if we struggled more than we should have against uh, an arguably second-string Lille team after scoring our goals, which was quite strange. But then I thought that until that point of time, we were quite good, and we didn't really give them much of a sniff. So that was that was encouraging. That was we probably made. Ended up making more hard work of it than we should have, but I was quite encouraged in midweek. I, I thought we might be back to our winning ways, but obviously, I learned otherwise on the weekend. But what, what did you guys make make of the Lille game, Just briefly? Well, uh, I I actually I agree with you fully, Ram. I thought we I I actually wrote that after like the first half. I said like I have nothing to complain about. That was like the perfect first half. We did everything well. Our pressing was on point. We looked energetic. We created chances. We didn't. Uh, Lille, I don't even think they had possession in our half even. So I thought we had like a really solid game going on. And then as soon as they, as soon as they score that goal, granted that 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 happens, but it happens. It happened to us like all the time. But after after that, we looks we look terrified. We look so scared. We're not, we're not able to keep the ball. We are just punting it away in panic, and because we had, we had that game. It, we should have, we should have put that game to bed after the first half. But I, overall, I thought, I thought the little game was, it was a really solid game from us. Well, you know, so- solid is a matter of perspective, uh, yeah. in hindsight, of course. But yeah. <laughs> Generally, generally, yeah, absolutely. I, I just that that was the perfect example of what's uh, going on. That we still have these problems of just once we lose the concentration levels, it's all over. And it's extremely frustrating. <laughs> it really is. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, generally, what was important is that we win. Uh, that Valencia then. One against Ajax was not only very surprising, but also I don't want to say detrimental, but you know, suboptimal. Um, thinking about what actually happened today, because today we're recording on the Monday. Uh, Ram, we've been drawn with someone we actually know quite well. Yeah, yeah, quite well. Fond memories. <laughs> FC Bayern München. Well, yeah, probably butchered that. No, FC Bayern München. Um, Okay. uh, München, actually, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, yeah, not only fond memories, actually, Buster, because we did lose against them on penalties in the Super Cup. I mean, you know, yeah, the fiasco there. I mean, that's not that important, but still, you know, I had had actually blocked that game out. Actually. (laughs) Generally, forgotten that game ever happened. 
as much as the official Bayern Twitter account is blocking out the words Drogba and 2012. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. I, I mean, what, what what did you guys think of this? Uh, could we have done worse? Could we have done better? I mean, it seems reasonably uh, a reasonable uh, assumption that we could have done better, given that Red Bull's Leipzig is playing against Tottenham. But what what do you think from the tough opponents that we could have drawn is Bayern Munich the best of the bunch or someone to be feared well I've um, when I when I like when I was watching the draw I basically said like I don't want us to draw Bayern Munich that was like and I don't even know why it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense but I I feel like they have the that front three they have together with Coutinho with the acres of space that we leave teams, they will be able to do to us what they did to Tottenham, basically, because Tottenham at that point were extremely disjointed in both, like in between their midfield and uh, midfield and their uh, defensive line, and that's basically what we look like whenever we like concede first. And if Bayern Bayern gets the first goal against us, that can actually turn into a rout. Because Lewandowski is like, he's, he's a striker that specializes in movement inside the penalty area. And we have had, we struggled greatly to actually track, to actually track runners inside our own penalty area. So I think like Bayern is, Bayern is really proficient at exploiting that sort of la- lack of concentration. So I feel like we could have done, done worse. I think... Um, I think PSG would have been the worst worst draw for us, but Bayern Munich is a close second. I think I feel. And how how do you think um, things might? How do you think events might unravel? Well, the the good thing about Bayern is that they they are very very injury hit at the moment, and uh, Sule is going going to be out for. Quite some time. Are they okay? Yeah, Sule is is long term injured. Uh, they also have Hernandez is is also out, uh, okay. and they are currently fielding the games I watched. They're fielding a centre back uh, pairing of Boateng and uh, uh, Javi Martinez, and uh, they oh, are okay. about as fast as evolution. So. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think if the if Bayern take the front foot of the game, I think we might be able to exploit that with uh, with uh, like Hudson Odoi if he found, finds his feet again. Perhaps he wants to wants to show uh, show Bayern what they missed out on. Yeah, I, I I mean, really yeah. You're right. Tam <laughs> Tammy Abraham against Javi Martinez and Jerome Boateng, who are well past their primes. Yeah. Could be quite interesting. Yeah. And yeah, no, I. I sort of fear. I sort of fear Robert Lewandowski versus our centre backs. To be fair, and Serge Gnabry is probably one of the most informed wingers in Europe, but has been for like two seasons now. So that's yeah. There, there are going to be battles that I worry for. But then yeah, it's it's heartening to know that Bayern also have weak spots that we could potentially target. They're not probably as invincible as they used to be. Um, just just to add some context there. Sorry, Ram. Um, yeah. Lucas Hernandez, because you said he's injured. Uh, he will be back. Theo actually, Hernandez. When, uh, no, Lucas Hernandez. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. Theo <laughs> Hernandez is, isn't he? Milan. 
Milan. Milan. Yeah, okay. Oh, so I've lost. Um, but Lucas Hernandez, great play, better than his brother. Um, uh-huh. But uh, he is back until well, in, because I read that news today until the start of the Rückrunde, which is basically January. So yeah, yeah. he'll at end of January approximately. So we play in February, if I'm not mistaken. That means he'll be back against us. So they've got Sula out. Um, otherwise. You know, everyone's really going to be back unless they have an injury until then. Because Tolisso and Coman are currently injured, but they'll be back so uh, shortly. So, you know, they have a very dangerous side, undoubtedly. Um, Lewandowski against our defense is... Um, it's terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's... He's been scoring like goals like the last one against Bremen. Bremen are just not the kind of side that won the league in 2003, I think it was. Long no. gone, that team. And, Ivan um, Klasnitsch. <laughs> yeah, for example. <laughs> I mean, they, they have got like the one or the other player that isn't bad, uh, but yeah. it doesn't matter. That's Bremen. Point being, you know, generally he's scoring against teams that they're much, much better on, you know, that have like a, an overall worth... Uh, uh, market value wise which is like five times or six times the one of the teams that they're playing in the Bundesliga apart from Dortmund and yeah. maybe um, uh, you know someone like well, I'm not actually even sure about Schalke or Bayer Leverkusen anymore but you know apart from Dortmund so one has to have a look uh, Serge Gnabry hasn't been in as good a form as he has been last as he was last season they have only gotten 27 points from 15 games this season, which is for Bayern Munich standards, not much. Um, normally they'd already be cruising. Um, so yeah, you know, they haven't got, they haven't got a coach at the moment, which might benefit us. It might not. They didn't actually lose a game in the group stage, if I'm not mistaken. No. So they scored, uh, they scored 24 goals and they conceded five in the six group stage. games. Yeah. And, didn't they play against um, Tottenham? You know, I mean, we all like to run it's our mouths about that. Tottenham. But, you know, I know we like to say that, but, you know, there's still a good side, especially with Jose Mourinho. They are in better form than us at the moment after those last weeks. Yeah. And um, they nevertheless lost against Bayern. So, one is never allowed to take uh, this, this encounter lightly because otherwise we're going to get a serious hinding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still better than maybe against Barcelona or something like that. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think us even reaching the group, uh, you know, the the um, the knockout stages is not bad, given that we've had a transfer ban, a very inexperienced manager, and um, a very young team. Though, still we want to, of course, progress. No, uh, no question about it. But talking about progressing in order to do that we're going to need reinforcements we've already partially spoken about it beforehand um i'd really like to know thinking about the last few weeks of football and um frank lampard's recent comments where he said that he wants to look at an attacking option uh, bringing in an attacking option uh, that takes all the boxes what kind of a player can we expect 
I know we've been speaking a lot about transfers in our recent episodes, but you know, that's just the way it is. We're coming up to January. We're in dire need. Yeah. And we're in dire need of reinforcements, bolstering our ranks. So yeah, we're going to talk about transfers. And anyway, everyone likes to talk about transfers anyway. We've I been like linked... to talk about transfers in the championship. So, you know. <laughs> I didn't hear ben, that. Ben anyway, <laughs> no, that, yeah. a, I actually wanted to ask you about that. Um, yeah. But before you tell us about Ben White, I'd really like to know from both of you, which areas do you see as we need improve let's say for example we have this scenario where we need four four marquee signings but we're only able to do two this this winter transfer window yeah which which positions will that be we'll start with um buster well if uh, if we're contemplating we need four signings but can only sign two marquee i would i would definitely i would have a winger and not to and that's mainly because like Pedro it's isn't seeing any game time and at, at currently we are running on two wingers because Hudson Odoi is in his form has plummeted so basically we only have Pulisic and William uh, at the moment so we're we are in dire need of a winger that isn't Wilfred Saha um, that's uh, that's one of my marquee signings and of course I would love to have like a world-class centre-back um, I know Kulabali has uh, he's been like widely regarded as one way of the best. too old. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. He's he's way too old, but like I think he could be like the experienced presence that our young team actually needs. But uh, I don't think he's like for the, like De Laurentiis is gonna take us for everything we have if we're going for Kulabali. So and it's just not worth it. And that. <laughs> oh. No, I know. But I would say I would say like we need a we need a winger and we need a we need a centre back. We need to bolster up our defence and after after that I feel like left back and uh, like a secondary striker. We can address that in the summer uh, because that's that's less pressing at the moment. I I couldn't agree more. So I'm, I don't even have to make a really long answer here. Same uh, same order for me. Exact same. Uh, Ram, what do you think? Oh, you know what I think. Add one winger if you want in January. Don't do anything else until the summer. Even after the last few games. Yeah, even after the last few games. As far as even I'm if concerned, we could sign that Nathan crap. Uh, not crappy. Ak- Ak- <laughs> <laughs> that that's very mean, Jimmy. It's very very mean. <laughs> I just like uh, pulling your leg. Sorry. <laughs> that. No, even if we could sign him, unless we really want to shift to like three four three three five two full time, then. I I don't see the need of bringing Nathan Aki back. Although I love him, uh, even even with Ornstein's uh, article today that we've only got that clause until January. Until January, yeah. So they have a decision to make. But then, if if it were me, I probably wouldn't bring Nathan Aki back. We this season is going the way I expected it to. It's things. I mean, we've just leveled out our kind of overachieving run of seven wins in a row with some shocking losses <laughs> due to whatever reason. But it was always going to be topsy-turvy. You have a manager one season into professional management and you have people playing at the Premier League level for the first time, like four players I can think of off the back of my head, plus one Hudson and I, who is still a kid. So that's like five players out of a group of maybe 20, 21, 20. So like 20% of your group is playing at the Premier League for the first time. Like, playing important roles. Tommy has played that before. But that 
it's, it's what you're going to get playing playing a different style of football playing with a manager who isn't as tactically astute yet as more experienced managers maybe so this was always going to happen we were always going to come back to earth eventually so yeah i, I don't i don't see the need for any panic buys don't don't buy a deal unless it's going to be a good deal that that was a, that's always been my stance that is still my stance so if worst case get a winger but that winger should not be wilfred zaha cuz it's just not worth it at like 65 70 million if you're going to spend that on wilfred zaha when he's 27 years old and he's not even having the he's, he's having a pretty bad season <laughs> to to be honest two goals two assists he's he's on he's very low on expected goals and expected assists so it's not like he's underperforming either so Adama Traore is having a better season than Wilfred Zaha. So, um, if, if you really want to sign a winger, I'm actually doing. I'm I'm coming out of my writing hibernation on We Ain't Got No History for writing a piece on wingers that we could buy instead of Wilfred Zaha. I mean, do the things do the things that Liverpool does: buy players from other leagues who won't carry English tax with them. So, yeah, Liverpool Liverpool assembled Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane for. combined 100 to 110 million that's like managed from Southampton mate yeah but then it it's the same as signing Leandro Trossard from Brighton or Genapo from Southampton i would be behind that as well that's yeah, a kind of signing that's a kind of signing you want to make instead of signing one i mean, instead of signing like one wilfred zaha one and a half wilfred zahas you get like three players yeah, that but... ilk could that was a few years ago mate that was you know, a few that, years ago the premier, but, that, the premier league tax has come on and you're going to pay what you paid for sadio mane back then is going to be about triple or four times as much nowadays as you I can see, see palace he and zaha he went 40 million back in 2016 that's ridiculous you know that was before that big big deal with the tv money came in and you're never going to get that kind of a deal nowadays oh okay, except you get it for ross would... barkley which <laughs> okay in inflation taken into account i would still rather spend i would still rather spend 55 to 60 on richarlison as opposed to 65 70 whatever it is on on wilfred zaha for, for for the mere reason that you have to think long term as well and you don't have to spend money just because you can spend it so first option is to look abroad and see if you can find players who won't carry the premier league tax or the english tax so what whatever happened to leon bailey what happened um, there he's uh, um yeah i think uh, he's still think, pretty good he had insane numbers last season he has insane numbers in a small sample size this season as well goal scoring threat eight of threat he's he's got it all he's young i uh, i've actually looked at wings before we started um podcast because I thought that this would be the only area we'd really all agree on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um taking a few numbers into account because I think we can all agree on that we need a winger now after yeah. so long a time to really fill the void that I and Robin once left that can score goals, not just, you know, do flicky flicky take on uh, opponents but really contribute in numbers yeah, cool and Jaden Sancho Jaden Sancho is that kind of a winger we're not going to get him in the January window let's be honest so oh, no, yeah that's why I didn't even think about it. yeah and Richarlison um no, thing so is kind of he just signed a contract extension if I'm not mistaken did, yeah so that that's probably less realistic but but there's yeah. this player playing for Bologna in Serie A he moved to Bologna for like 
20 million or 15 million. 15 million. He moved to Bologna from Juventus for 15 million. His name is Ricardo Orsolini. We have tried to sign him in the past. We tried to sign him when Antonio Conte was here and he was playing for Ascoli in Serie B. Yeah. Um, he was an Italian under 21 international, very highly rated. Juventus picked him up at that time. Then they loaned him out to Bologna for a season, for two seasons, I think. Yeah. And then Bologna just made the transfer permanent. But it's insane because Juventus don't really have the space to incorporate that kind of player in. But he's he's going at like, he was going at around point, point four two expected goals plus assists per 90 minutes. So that's like, more or less every other game he's contributing to a goal. This season, he's gone up to like 0.6. And that's in a decent sample size of over 1,000 minutes. Yeah. That, that's it's the type of player not... you should be looking at. Yeah, but that's why I don't like those kind of stats. Sorry, uh, Buster, I'll bring you straight into it because he's scored two goals this season in 16 games. Uh, Okay, but that's why you have underlying metrics. That's why you can tell whether someone's been unlucky or he has Because he scored a decent rate last season. Unlucky or not, we need someone who's in form that can immediately bring that form to Chelsea and score the goals and help out the others that we don't uh, only rely on Tammy Abram and Christian Pulisic to score them. Does that, mean you spend an, does that mean you spend an extravagant amount of money on Wilfred Zaha? Who no. is? Yeah, I mean, okay. No, well, I, I wouldn't. I, I, there are the three options who I'd contemplate who are scoring, are in scoring form apart from Sancho, and even though they also have some bad issues, you've got David Neres, you've got Leon Bailey, and you've got ha- Hakim Ziyech. Ziyech scored. Uh, Got scored five goals and got twelve assists in sixteen games, which is very good. He plays league game, by the way. Sure, but that for you that shouldn't be a problem because that doesn't normally hinder you in uh, lauding a player, mate. We've got Leon Bailey with three goals in eight games and one assist, and we've got Neres with six goals in twelve games and one assist. So you know those are numbers. But sorry, Buster, we, yeah. we haven't brought you in here. So yeah. please, what what do you think here? Uh, well, obviously, uh, obviously, I feel like Jadon Sancho is like uh, he's the he's the kind of winger we should be going for in the summer. Uh, I'm not feeling like ever since like these like contract negotiations with William started, I haven't really felt like we don't really need to extend with him that badly. If if we can find that that winger that we are now discussing, um, and since we're since we're putting name out there, I. I like him. I like the winger that played for Sociedad. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I like. He's had good. He's had good expected goals numbers. This yeah, he's, But um, the problem is he plays exclusively on the left. Sometimes. Yeah, he's uh, he's really he's really tied to the left. But I've I watched a couple of games with him and it's, he's really really good. Mm. So he was he, he I always I never felt like uh, last season when like the hype around Leon Bailey basically went off a cliff. I never felt like he was doing that badly. Um, and I've liked him, liked him since, but I I think that maybe the club is thinking that we need some, some senior uh, and that's why we're being linked to Saha, but I can't help but think it would be a huge mistake to sign Wilfred Saha. Yeah. Mm. I- I would agree with that. But by the way, um, a small word on Hakim Ziyech. He might yeah. be putting up incredible numbers in the Eredivisie, but his his expected goals in the in the Champions League are less than Orsolini has. By the way, so yeah. just just a bit of a leveler on what the Eredivisie might project, because 
you have Dusan Tadic going there and tearing up the division. <laughs> so it's it's no, I'm not not that Dusan Tadic is a bad player. I, I mean, I always liked him, but yeah. it's it's very very hard when you're playing for Ajax, who are streets and streets ahead of like every other team not named maybe PSV or Feyenoord or yeah. AZ. It's like four teams in the rest of the league in the Eredivisie. So right. just, and and on on, on Ziyech, there's a. I just find it weird that he's like 26 and he's been in this prime for like two two seasons now and he's still at Ajax. I just just I don't know I just think there's something not right over there. You you feel like that that's a red flag. Why uh, yeah, why I I feel as if that's a red flag, yeah. Yeah. Why is no one going for him maybe? Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I just yeah, put sure. one thing still in? What, yeah. I really would want uh, a winger that has a left foot. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. been missing that for ages. Zaha doesn't have that, so nope. And that's why I yeah, think right. Ayad Dabal yeah, right. could actually maybe. I don't know. I know he's only played on the left, but you know he's got yeah. left foot. Yeah. Maybe he can play there. Zicek no has got, got that left foot. Neres has got it. Yeah, yeah. No so, reason we yeah. can move Callum to the right flank anyway. Exactly. So. You mean left, right? right? Oh no, I mean if you moved Callum to the right, then you could play Ayad Dabal on his preferred left. Oh right, yeah. yeah, but then you have Pulisic that wants to play on the left, right? Yeah. He can play oh. as ten. he can play as ten. Yeah, as, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bulusic as ten is an unexplored option that we really should take, consider. That that's a good point. I like that because his carrying ability and his overall <laughs> aptitude in and around the penalty area is. I think that would be really useful for our number ten. I feel as if Lampard should try that more. That that's a that's a good point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on on that interesting note um, from Buster. We're just going to take a short break and resume. Looking forward to the next fixture, and we're back. And yeah, before looking forward to the next game, we forgot to mention a recent transfer rumor that's linked us to Ben White of Leeds United, on loan from Brighton of Albion. Brighton just seem to have this recruitment strategy where they either develop or identify every good ball-playing centre back in England. So. They they have Adam Webster playing for them right now, and they have, um, what's his name, Matt Clark playing at Leeds. I mean, playing at Derby County, and they have Ben White playing at Leeds United. They're basically set up for the next five, seven years. <laughs> if if they sell Lewis Dunk, they have ready-made replacements. But that's that's where we come in because Ben White is one of those players in question, and he's been doing really really well at Leeds United, and he's the type of signing that kind of. Would have gone under the radar because he was not. I mean, League One had a bunch of good centre backs uh, who went on to Championship clubs or went elsewhere. But Ben White was fairly under the radar, and Leeds United picked him up, and he has been it's nothing short nothing short of sensational for them. And he's. It's. I feel as if it's very rare for a young centre back to adapt. To different leagues in the way Ben White has, because he started at Newport County two years ago. That's in League Two, and then the very next year he went to Peterborough, Peterborough United, which was in League One, and then straight he goes from Peterborough to Leeds under Marcelo Bielsa, and that's like a complete paradigm shift. And he's done really, really well to adapt to everything that Bielsa asks of him. He's replaced Pontus Janssen. Um, Basta, I suspect you know what Pontus Janssen is like. Yeah, I, he, he is heading bricks and uh, whatever they are singing there. Yeah, yeah, and Ben White has arguably been an upgrade on Pontus Janssen for Leeds United. That's that's saying something. So he's he's at the right age. 
he is very very good on the ball very confident um very tough to beat one on one and a little 50-50 on aerial duels but i feel as if his game intelligence is really high that's one of the reasons leeds united picked him up and that's one of the reasons he he's thriving in a marcelo bielsa side so he is probably the perfect profile of defender that we want apart from i mean he, he he's not he's not really tall he's probably just a little taller than nathan ake who's i think 180 181 cm so he he's not he's not a man mountain or anything but i feel as if he'd probably be a ricardo carvalho type so ben white i was really happy to see rumors linked us to him and i don't know if it's for the loan army or if they want him in the team in the short term because he probably could play in the premier league short term so yeah basically one of the standout uh, players of the championship standout center backs one of the best young players in, in the championship ben white and we're linked to him he probably cost 25 to 30 million to price away from brighton though to be fair so that would probably be a very expensive loan army purchase if at all but yeah that was just a quick primer on ben white also just a few seconds randomly on this rumor i saw today that linked us with josh maja <laughs> who was at sunderland um one and a half seasons ago absolutely tearing it up in league 1 and then he went from league 1 to league uh because bordeaux bought him to sunderland for for a pittance really and he's been injured but he's come back and he scored a hat trick for them recently and yeah basically his his underlying metrics are really good he's got an upside but if we're going to sign josh maja in january he's probably not probably just going to be loaned back that's just yeah just another small transfer rumor that i felt i could spend a few seconds addressing so that was yeah that was my my enthralling monologue on players who have played in the EFL and Chelsea are looking at now so Jimmy you can take it over <laughs> really interested yeah i i, I agree because <clears throat> i didn't really know much about um Ben White to be honest um and that's why i was actually looking forward to you telling us about him i i generally don't believe that he's what our solution to the uh, he's very similar to Mario Tomori that's what that's what i think and that's not necessarily what we're looking yeah, for exactly, um, yeah. so loan army sure why not but january isn't january isn't the kind of month that you're looking for even if we got him in january you'd probably just throw him back to leeds united anyway exactly that's like we, guaranteed playing time in a good good team so. i'd really want us to focus all our resources on getting marquee signings if we're able i, I mean it's already difficult to get one you know nevertheless i really do hope we are able to get two marquee signings in january uh might be a pipe dream but still that's what i'm holding out for um and yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see we're talking about quite a few targets i agree with buster that getting that kind of a caliber at center back in january is more or less impossible so we'll have to just wait and see whether or not we get surprised by chelsea um or we we get let down as we unfortunately have been quite often in the last few years i say jillabodji you say bakayoko so we'll just have to wait and see <clears throat> and you say drink water yeah yeah that's, that that's actually ju- just i'm going to say this very with, with the audacity that i know that ram won't have time to answer uh to this namely that i think ryan fraser is will be just the same as dan drinkwater at chelsea anyway so um we'll continue with the preview you played it of safe there. <laughs> <laughs> we we will continue with the preview of the next game so we are playing against tottenham 
against Jose Mourinho. They're on the up, we're on the down spiral, more or less, one has to say. Oh, not down spiral, but we're just hot and cold at the moment, and that's not necessarily the kind of form that you want going into a game against Jose Blooming Mourinho. So he's more or less studied the boat. Tottenham are full of confidence. Son is ridiculously in form at the moment. Um, imagining him against our defence is terrifying um as same with Bayern Munich as we said before so yeah what can we expect from the game Buster I mean should we I mean we should always be hoping for a result because we're Chelsea but you know realistically and objectively speaking what can we expect well as um, as I'm, I've always had a bit of soft spot for uh, for Mourinho. I've watched watched a couple of couple of games with uh, Tottenham since he took over, and he is playing his his beloved four two three one, with um, with Ali more or less being he's acting more or less like he's playing like when they have the ball he's playing more more or less like a second striker. He's uh, looking for uh, looking for the half spaces and usually like go on the blind side of the defend defensive midfielder. So I feel like he he is going to be key to shut him down because if Ali gets the ball in those positions, he is uh, he is also in incredible form at the moment. So you're gonna have to close down uh, close down Ali first and foremost. Uh, other than that, he is playing his uh, two massive bulldozing midfielder with a gigantic slab head to Dyer, as usual. Uh, and of course, he he would take a place in Mourinho's team. No one is surprised there. Um, but he's he's having them. He's I, I watched them uh, watched them against Wolves. Wolves were the better team, but that was like a typical Mourinho smash and grab. And if they if they actually are learning to do those kinds of like when they grind out the result when they don't really deserve it, they're going to be a serious threat. And I feel like we should go to Tottenham and we should just take. If someone offered me a point in before the game, I would take it and run. That's basically my views on it. Fair assessment. Fair assessment. I think a draw is also not a bad result. I mean, given are, are we playing away? I'm not sure. Are we at the bridge? No, we're we're playing away. So yeah, I mean, given the circumstances, I think. The draw is very much uh, a result that I, I personally could live with. Uh, I agree with you, Buster. Um, Ram. No, sorry, I'm having none of that. Three point lane. <laughs> you know, normally I'd say, you know, it's Tottenham lads and all that, as you said, Buster, but we haven't been performing well. We have been performing partially well against the big teams this season, you know. City did, and Pep said that was one of their hardest games this season against us, but we just haven't been grinding out the results. And given our slump, I don't think that's going to change on Sunday as much as I want it to. What can we do? What, what can we expect to be different from the game against Bournemouth? Because Frank Lampard had some very clear and firm words after the game, which I, I really did like as post-match presser. Not that it really helps, but what, what, do you, what, what can we expect, Ram? Well, I don't expect Lampard to reinvent the wheel in a week's time. Mm. I just, the team will probably benefit from a week's rest, which is one thing. 
and I'm just hoping Lampard will light a collective fire in their bellies. And it's just listen. I I know that we're going in against the odds. If if we were to assess, I mean, if we were to pick a winner right now, I'm pretty sure we'd all pick Tottenham. I'm just, I'm just being optimistic for that. Yeah. So, yeah. I just yeah. I I don't see any strategic positives coming through the next game because Mourinho knows how to play these games. We know that. Mourinho knows how to go to any sort of team that he think he might not be able to beat, and then. And 100% get a draw out of that. But he's, I mean, Tottenham have been in good form. Mourinho is not going to lose these sort of games. And we've been shaky. So logically, you you just think Spurs are going to win. But I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that the lads will have, will be going into that game quite motivated. Yeah. As you, as you said before, uh, as you said before, Ram, we need to get yeah. the first goal. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we really need to get that first goal. I'm so I'm I'm just hoping that they'll they'll be going in with raring. I mean, they'll be ready to go with an appetite to win. Yeah. After being deprived of wins in recent times, huh. considering that it's Tottenham, considering that it's Jose, I think that Morris and Lampard will be especially fired up as well, especially Morris. <laughs> so, yeah, no I'm just hoping. No worries, I'm right. just hoping a bunch of random intangibles will play in our favor, and somehow we'll win like one zero. Peak, peak shit out. Yeah, I'm just. It's a lot of wishful thinking. That, that's uh, all we can do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is a, actually because you mentioned that with the first goal, it's worth mentioning as well that. <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong here with that stat, but I read yesterday or today, we have the worst record in the Premier League uh, in regard to playing from losing positions. So we've actually not managed to win from a losing position the whole season. Yeah. Am it's I wrong? Us, it's us and uh, Norwich. Us and Norwich. That is um, damning. It really is damning. <laughs> I mean, if you re- uh, reflect on you know, the past team where we had Frank Lampard actually as a player, you know, you always had this you, this idea that <clears throat> even if we're in a losing position where we're trailing by a goal, even two, there's always this fight that we can rely on to get back in the game. You know, okay, we just have to score in the next 10 or 15 minutes then the lads will be able to somehow get a result. That was the Chelsea of old. This isn't the same Chelsea anymore. And um, while we've been saying... Often enough, you know, Eden Hazard gone. It nah doesn't matter during that purple patch. Now we would need someone of the caliber of Eden Hazard. You know, not completely irrelevant of how he's currently doing in La Liga. Um, like last season, where he scored against Wolverhampton at the death and so on, to really pull us out of these kind of situations, and we don't. And um, just to add to that centre back kind of signing from before. Whoever we sign, also on the wing, anyone who we sign in January, I really need him to be a leader, a captain of a national team, whatever, someone who can really drive on this team so that we won't be the worst team in the league or the joint worst team in the league at the end of the season in regard to winning from losing positions or getting any points from losing positions because this is just unacceptable. And I'm pretty sure that Frank Lampard sees it the same way because he won't like that at all. So we can only hope that if it does come to that on Sunday, which I don't, then 
just pray basically sorry <laughs> just just hope for the best just pray that we somehow equal to win somehow yeah and i think that's why those two positions are so essential because you get a defender to shore up that defense you get another attacker who can actually score goals you can you know get two birds with one stone uh so that that is essential that we get that sorted out and whether we're able to actually address those problems until sunday i'm not confident um which else we always have to somehow assume the best but you know for me as buster said the draw seems like the only thing that we can really hope for will be at least a very very good uh result for chelsea um, after win see you know just, i'm i'm terrified of sun i just yeah. can't emphasize that enough just just getting a point from like one of the, one of the big teams would be like it would be a great pay, place to start actually just like not lose yeah exactly and this is, doesn't mean oh our standards have dropped so much but you always have to keep in mind what kind of a situation we're currently in yeah. it's unrealistic from some morons on twitter to say oh you have to have the highest stance yes we do but until we don't have the players that have the confidence and the ability we it's ridiculous to expect a different result when always doing the same you know there's that famous saying so a draw seems like a very viable option uh which we can live with it means that tottenham doesn't actually overtake us in the table with a better goal difference and um you know we we live to be in the top four another day and then you know we've got a few winnable fixtures after that uh, with i think bournemouth uh, not bournemouth southampton yeah, yeah. Uh, and then arsenal i think so you know yeah. so winnable fixture exactly yes mid-table teams yeah um yeah we'll just have to win see well, what do you think ram Uh I think that it's going to be a very tough couple of weeks or the, the whole Christmas I mean the whole period ahead festive period it's going to be a tough one for Chelsea because I mean yeah as you mentioned it's not just Spurs it's Arsenal it's Southampton's probably the only easy game in there because Brighton is never an easy game as we've seen they've, they've given every every top team trouble Yeah. And yeah, we've we've really really got to win that Southampton game. I think that we will because Southampton are quite bad. So hope that we somehow there's really no telling how how it might how it might unfold. We we could end up beating Arsenal who are I don't know in between managers just in between a lot of things really right now. But they are still Arsenal at the end of the day so either It, that that one could go any anyway tottenham is looking to be more more likely to be a negative result brighton could be could be anything southampton is the only place where we can go and say yeah we absolutely must get three points here but then that's what we said for bournemouth and west ham yeah. and everton so I, i i do i do feel actually like arsenal could suit us quite well at the moment they could because, yeah yeah because their defense is even worse than ours. Yeah, and they'll want to play, won't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they want to play out from the back and uh, we absolutely love teams that would that uh, want to play out from the back and are <laughs> yes, horrible at it. Yeah, so that yeah, that's it's just I fear because we haven't we haven't been able to beat 
any of those traditional top six teams this season. Yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's it's become a bit of a mentality issue. So yeah, it's safe to say I'm not brimming with optimism right now. But you know, as I said, I this is the way I, I expected the season to go. So even though I may not be going into every game realistically expecting us to win. I'm I'm okay as long as we don't end up in a really egregious position at the end of the season. That's that's what I've always maintained and I'm just I'm just happy to watch the team every week as long as they don't play the way they did against Bournemouth. Yeah. As, as long <laughs> as we're as long as we're like seeing some sort of like pro- progression yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll, I'll be I'll be fine. Yeah, the the whole point of a process, the whole point of a transition is that you can see some sort of tangible results, some sort of development somewhere, something a sign that things are progressing. If they are, then, yep, maybe you're not in such a bad place. Oh. Okay, Ram, I mean, do do we want to shore things up then? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty long episode, hasn't it? A good one. There were, a long yeah, one. good one. Pretty good one. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Lots of games, because... We didn't maybe miss the last week's podcast. So a lot of games to look forward to, a lot of games that we look back on, a lot of transfer rumors from leagues far and wide, <laughs> including in England, not so far and wide. So it's been really nice to have you on Buster. Is that I mean that that that's generally the first time I've heard I've heard that name. And I think it's <laughs> very, very cool. For what it's worth. Thank Jeez. you. It is, yeah, it's actually next levels of cool. So you have my respect just for having that name. I didn't, although, have, I didn't have to do much then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But although I, I mean, I, I wish you'd have like a better we and God knows to use a name than deluded Brendan because you have like Buster on one side and then you have deluded Brendan. That's one iconic, mate. Iconic. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, could change enough. it maybe to be like Buster Rhymes or something like that. Oh, oh yes. Oh my God. Yeah, you got to do that. Well, we <laughs> know what's yeah, going to happen soon. Yeah. No. See, now I have your respect back. So, <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, it's been very interesting having someone um, such as yourself with us, Buster. Um, I hope you provide more support to IFK Gordonburg the coming days and Chelsea FC as well and <laughs> sorry, I, 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 just... can't, I can't promise you I won't I will provide support for you I have got Gothenburg they are freaking horrible at the moment but uh, Chelsea yeah, well, I will I will stand by forever like okay yeah I, I'll take that also good <laughs> yeah also good right um, yeah Jimmy I will see you next week and Buster hopefully we'll see you at some point before the season is out again well, in the comments section, so. you will certainly see me. Oh, yeah, that we will. Yeah, but hopefully on the podcast as well. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's a, that's a wrap on this episode of the Gordon Podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.